Welcome to the Mercy Cast, where we're learning the art of compassion through the adversity of life. I'm your host, Raleigh Sadler. Today, I want to talk about perfectionism. If you've listened to this podcast for more than one episode, you have learned that for me, I like to fashion myself as an imperfectionist. I feel like I've been a perfectionist my whole life, and I'm learning the subtle art of imperfectionism. It's this idea that I don't have to have it all together. Because here's the thing about perfectionism. It's this desire to reach a standard that none of us can meet. None of us who are human, that is. Maybe if you're like an android or something, you're on point. You're just knocking it out of the park every single day. But if you're just like a regular, everyday Joe, like myself, you struggle. And sometimes perfectionism, I've heard people say, well, perfectionism is great. No, this is an operating system that demands everything and demands perfection before you do anything. So what it often leads to, at least in my experience, has been paralysis. So rather than making me better, it's actually doing the inverse. Elise learned about perfectionism the hard way. She knew that no matter how hard she tried to have it together, she couldn't shake the fact that she didn't like being in a position where she wasn't perfect. I think we all can relate with that. She knew that this feeling of shame was not optimal. But she didn't know how to start. She didn't know how to push past it. Elise Fitzpatrick is a nationally sought-after speaker and author. Along with her husband, Phil, Elise attends Grace Bible Church, a Reformed congregation in Escondido, California. She is the author of many books, including the recently re-released Overcoming Fear, Worry, and Anxiety, Becoming a Woman of Faith and Confidence. Elise, welcome to the Mercy Cast. Thank you, Raleigh. I'm really happy to be with you. Elise basically guided me when I wrote Vulnerable Rethinking Human Trafficking. We would sit and talk on the phone and I'm like, Elise, I don't know what to do. What do I do now? Because Elise has written more books than I have read. <laughs> That's and... not true. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> and so... Elise, I, I find it so interesting that in your new book, you, you kind of deal with perfectionism head on. And I think the only way to write about something like this is to have experienced it and to try to figure out how to either redeem it or fight against it. But you're facing this almost paralysis. You're facing this desire to have it all together when you know that you're human and you don't. How did you process that? Yeah, thanks. And Thanks, Raleigh, for having me on. It's good to see your face again. You know, it's a funny thing because if you would have said to me when I was maybe in my teen years or something, and just basically I I didn't grow up really in a Christian home, really lived a Southern California debauched lifestyle till I became a Christian. And so beforehand... Before I became a Christian, no one would have said that I struggled with perfectionism. I mean, I was just Interesting. off the rails. But my Christianity, I've, it, I don't want to say that it fed that, but I wanted so much to not be the... Mm, rowdy loser that I had been. <laughs> and, you know, maybe in a sense, I, I seems like I can remember being young and 
wishing I could be better, but I never could. So then, you know, eat, drink, and be married to Mario O.D. So, um, but then my Christianity did something to me and and, and sort of melded together with, with my own desire to not be that person I used to be, but then also all of the imperatives, all the commands of Scripture, all the law, landed really heavily on my heart really heavily on my heart. And I thought, I've, I've got to do better. I've got to be better. And I, and I sort of internalized all the law. And because I did that, it, it made me the sort of person, the one thing you can know about a person who's trying to approve of themselves, a person who's seeking to be perfectionistic, is that they demand that from everybody else as well. So, you know, if you're if you're really trying to approve of yourself, then one of the things you're going to do is be demanding of other people. So, I became in my Christianity and I mean, I got saved in 1971, which <laughs> at the, you know, sort of height of the Jesus movement in Southern California. Yeah. You know, one of those people yeah. getting baptized in the ocean. I I became a person who wanted very much to be able to do something I had never been able to do before I became a Christian, which was approve of myself. And the way that Mm. you do that is you live strictly according to whatever laws of perfectionism you have. Okay. So, we all have different ones. You know, what is perfectionism to me was, you know, probably different in a lot of ways than what it would be with my husband, Phil. Okay, so, you know, there have been any number of times in my life where I have looked at my life and perhaps I can relate a story But this story is just like a paradigm of a thousand stories like this in my life where I had been with a group of people and acted in a way that was really wrong, really sinful. And I don't really want to go into it (laughs) if I can avoid that. (laughs) But, you know, it was bad. And the next day, I thought about what I had done. And I said, oh, Lord, forgive me. That was bad. Forgive me, Lord. But then I continued to struggle Mm. with feeling condemnation, with feeling shame, with just feeling this heavy load of, I, I am not getting it together. I'll never have it together. I'm the person who talks all the time about how I know I'm loved and forgiven and counted righteous, but right now, that doesn't speak to me at all. That doesn't work for me at all. And I thought, what's the matter with me? I asked the Lord to forgive me. What's wrong? What's happening here? Why do I feel so much shame and Mm. self-condemnation. And I realized that 
what was really driving me was not so much the desire for God to forgive me, because I really do believe that I, you know, God had forgiven me. It was that I wanted to be able to look at my life and say, I don't do that stupid stuff anymore. I'm a different person now. I've grown past that. I'm a better person now. I once was lost, but now I'm better. Yeah, but now I'm better. But no, <laughs> actually not. And and then, uh, you know, I, that was really very helpful to me. It's always helpful to me. I'm, I made up this little ditty one time because every time I go about trying to say something for the Lord or think about whatever anxiety for the Lord, then I always end up absolutely riddled with anxiety, right? Because, mm. and, and so I wanted to frame what I was feeling. And I think I framed it best when I said, I'm convinced that God is able to use all of my weakness, sin, and unbelief to make me contagiously grateful for Christ. Mm. Okay, again, I'm convinced that God is able to use all of my weakness, sin, unbelief to make me contagiously grateful for Christ. So, what do I do about this desire to want to approve of myself, to want to look at myself and say, yeah, I, I'm really okay. You know, and of course, part of that has to do with the fact that I really don't want to say that I need a savior. I mean, yeah, I needed a savior mm, before, but right. you know, now, still now, today, 50 whatever years later, still. No, yeah, we want to say that, you know, we've made it far enough down the road that we sort of kind of have it together, maybe ish. Yeah, yeah, right. Because you want to approve of yourself. And that's that perfectionism that's driving that. See, because what I want to do is to be able to approve of myself and say, my, what a good girl am I? And, and I've finally arrived. I finally I've gotten arrived. The way I wanted to be. Yeah. And yeah. this sort of desire that, you know, that I, that I'm, I'm really okay. And the problem is that when I give myself into that, which of course I do all the time. Sure. Um, it, it gives more and more life to this sort of incessant slave driver that lives within my heart, right? So, mm -hmm. we've got this incessant voice, this slave driver that says to us sort of over and over and over again, you got to be better. Look at, mm -hmm. you, 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 you got to be better. And then you think, well, people are looking at my life. What is my life saying about Jesus? I, you know, how can I live with myself knowing the kind of person I am, the kinds of things I do? How many, and then all of the time going back over and over again and saying, okay, there's one perfect person. <laughs> right. It's just one perfect person. But the unbelievable thing. The amazing thing is that one perfect person lived perfectly for me so that right now, even in the midst of this mess of, 
I still have anxiety because I'm not perfect. <laughs> right. And I'm yeah. published on the topic. <laughs> Isn't that the worst? It's, you write yeah. something and people expect you to have it together yeah. in that area yeah. all the time. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. a whole thing. It's, it, it is. It's a thing, Raleigh. And, you know, maybe in one sense, that's why it's, mm, can't remember who said it. Maybe Peter. You know, it's like, let not many of you be teachers. It's like maybe you ought to shut up, right? (laughs) Because there's a thing that, you know, the very thing you're going to, you're going to say is where you're going to blow it. So, you know, what I want to do is I want to say, okay, there's one person who's perfect. Now, what's interesting is, he said, you have to be perfect, right? Mm, mm-hmm. And I used Yeah, he did. That was a, that was a whole thing. That's the thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, and you got to be really perfect. You got to be better than the perfect guys. Yeah, yeah. If our righteousness doesn't yeah. exceed that of yeah. the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, I mean, yeah. they were like, yeah. they were the, they were like the Southern Baptist golden children. You know, they, they had it together. Their hair was parted the yeah, right way. Yeah. Their khakis yeah. were great. And their monogram sweater vests looked perfect. <laughs> They looked perfect. Yeah. And then my little punk rock behind who walked into seminary, you know, didn't really fit that look. And so I look at those people, I'm like, yeah, it's almost, and I'm not saying they're Pharisees, they've got great churches now and they're living a dream, but it's like, even in my own perfectionism, I was like, well, I don't look like that. I don't even use those words. I'm rough around the edges and maybe they are too, but I don't see it. And then you have Jesus over here saying, unless you look like... And your righteousness exceeds yeah. these people who seemingly get it right culturally and spiritually. Yeah. Then you have no place. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we want to fight against perfectionism, but Jesus commands us to be perfect. So how does that work? Well, so the only way it can work, obviously, is that our perfectionism has to come from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. It has to come from mm, outside mm-hmm. of us. Exactly. So the only way that I can exceed the perfection of the heavy duty law keepers, the only way that I can exceed their perfection is by having the perfection of the perfect one. Mm. And that's the only place of freedom there is when i finally get to the place where i say elise who do you think you're kidding you believe your own press no don't do that get over it you are not perfect now but in christ you are counted completely perfect and your desire to want to be able to look at yourself and say yeah i'm really good that's that's not about jesus see if it was about god then when i ask god to forgive me i would then be okay but yeah i'm not because it's more about me saying i i'm really okay i'm better so you know, Raleigh, over and over and over again, it, I, I think what the Christian life is, <laughs> says the woman who, you know, I thought, 
as I've said numbers of times, I thought I'd be farther along by now. But anyway, we're 50 whatever years into this gig now. I have to remind myself every day, several times a day, Elise, you don't have it, but somebody else does. And he lived it for you. He lived it for you. And then he transferred all of that perfection to you so that you and I now are perfect, not because of us, but because he's given us faith to believe. Faith itself is a gift. He's given us faith to believe that the perfection that you need in order to stand before a perfect, holy God, that perfection that you need has been granted to you. And that's the only place of peace and freedom and freedom from the incessant slave driver who just says over and over again, you got to do better and try harder. Try harder, do better. You know, when I was in seminary, among that sea of monogrammed sweater vests <laughs> and boat shoes, <laughs> oh, boat and shoes. Um, it's, it's this <laughs> reminder that I'm not in Kansas anymore. I'm actually in Kentucky, and it's a very different thing. And so this this Floridian in me did not really know what to do. But I remember I, I I brought more baggage than I brought to wear. I had a lot of stuff that I was carrying that caused me to be judgmental in certain areas, yeah. caused me to really turn in on myself to where I was more of a critic of myself than yeah. anyone else could be. So if anyone had critique or advice for me, I internalized it as attack because I was already attacking myself. Right. So it was just like more people. And and it wasn't like that. But I remember during that time, really, it was probably three weeks into the whole gig. I'm meeting with one of my professors who's my formations professor yeah. and really just fascinating gentleman. I'm having breakfast with him. And I'm like, Dr. Lawless, can we talk? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, here's a deal, man. I don't I don't know if I'm a Christian. <laughs> right. And then he's and then we start talking through it. And I'm like, no, don't share the gospel with me. I know it. I believe it, but I don't feel it. Yeah. And I, I feel like something's off. Yeah. And he he didn't try to do anything. He just he was with me and he was present. And yeah. it was the biggest gift he could have ever given me because he didn't try to fix me. Yeah. It was just more like, yeah, let's keep talking. Yeah. You know, see what, see what's what. And I remember having to do a paper on justification by faith, comparing it with the Council of Trent, the kind of yeah. counter reformation's yeah. yeah. approach to it, like this view of their view of infused righteousness, mm -hmm. where your works yeah. kind of go along with the righteousness of God. Yeah. And so I wrote this paper and I waited too long because, you know, I love procrastinating. It's my, it's my spiritual gift, yes, you know, even, yes. even when I wrote vulnerable, yeah, I was like, I waited to the last minute. I, I just, it's just, I'm into it, but I wait to the last minute. There's nothing on the bookshelves. Right. And like the only thing on the shelf is there's like two old dusty Lutheran volumes. Cause you know, I don't know if it's, you know, Baptist seminary, like, you know, what do we do with these authors? But they were the only ones that were there. All the other books were gone. So I started reading through them, and I'm reading this book by, and I've told this story before, but this guy, Garrett Ferdy, oh, yeah. uh, Justification, <laughs> A Matter of Death and Life, yeah. and he says, salvation is not 
if I do this, then this. He's like, it's not an if-then conditional yeah, construct. Yeah. It's it's because, therefore, yeah. because Christ died for you, therefore yeah. you are righteous. There it is. If you're a sinner, he died for sinners. And so he and it it changed the way I viewed it because I didn't know that I could be justified by faith. I always thought I had to be justified because of my faith. It was like, if, nice, even good. in my faith, I was trying to do this thing to get saved. If I believe strong enough, if I believe the right words, if I pray the right words. One time, I took Billy Graham's Steps to Peace with God when I worked in a Christian bookstore. I hid in the bathroom on my 15-minute break, and I'm sure people thought I had a GI issue, and I just would not leave, right? Yeah. And I'm like just stuck. And like I'm sure there's a lot of people who, they're. this was back in like, the early 2000s. So I'm sure people were trying to buy like tracks to sing at their local congregation yeah. or buy Miracle Sprinkling Water or Holy Water, whatever we sold, yeah. Gaither Vocal Band yeah, yeah. CDs. I don't know. But like they're probably knocking on the door and I'm just like reading it over point by point yeah. by point by point. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, did it take? Did it take? Did it yeah, take? Did it take? Well, in this, yeah. right. And in this moment, here I am in my seminary dorm room surrounded by the joyful cinder blocky goodness that is my dorm room that has probably had so many young people who were questioning their faith in there and i'm like wow it's not because it's by and i am justified because of the finished work of jesus not my own apprehension of it yeah and something shifted yes yeah and it sounds like that's what you're saying too it's like when you move your locus from you have to save yourself yeah. to there's someone who stands ready yeah. to save you. Yeah. And you just say, all I do is miss. Like, I'm not hitting the target. I'm trying, and I know I can grow, and there are things that I can do, but ultimately I cannot save myself. Yes. Yeah. That's it. That's it, Raleigh. I feel so badly, honestly, for Christians who have never heard the because, therefore. When Mm. I, I'll tell you, I was probably a Christian. Let's see. uh, Let's say that I had been a Christian 20 years or 30 years. And I mean, I was, I, I, I tried to be really serious about Scripture. I don't think I ever heard anything about justification. No, I didn't. I mean, nothing. I, I mean, maybe just as if I never sinned. I think I had heard that. But the thought... Yeah, the old classic. Yeah. But the thought that it's not just just as if you'd never sinned. It's also just as if you'd always obeyed. When I mm-hmm. heard that, it rocked my world. And then mm-hmm. I set out to write because he loves me. And I thought, okay, I'm going to spend time thinking about God's love for me in Christ. And I thought, yeah, that's kind of, that's what pansy Christians do, mm-hmm. right? See, if you're really a serious Christian, then, you know, you think about yourself and what you need to do to get your act together. Pansy Christians just always have to think about whether or not God loves them, because, you know, I'm a, I'm a little baby that needs to know. To know I'm loved, you know, honestly. Yeah. And then when I discovered when I was writing Because He Loves Me that so much of scripture really has to do with my identity and who I am because of what Christ has already done, when I began to realize that, 
then it changed. Now, I, I'm going to just, I don't want to say I'm completely like, woohoo, no more problems. This thing, this faith that we have, Raleigh, this is the thing that has to, we have to remember it every day, all the time, right. every day. Mm-hmm. And which is why in, I have to go to church. I know a lot of people aren't going right now, but man, I got to go here from the mouth of somebody else that my sins are forgiven and then I'm counted righteous. Yeah. And then I got to take communion because I don't have, I'm, my faith is not strong enough for me to just blow it off. Because then pretty soon I'll be right down that perfectionism rabbit hole and beating myself up nonstop. And then also, also beating up everybody else. You know, let's just, let's get that whole perfectionism thing out there. It's like when I feel like if I've got to perform, then you do too. And that's how it works in me, not necessarily everybody else. Well, and that's what I've learned in my own life is that as I discovered that even as a Christian, I was a perfectionist. And I'm reticent to be one of those folks who just says, well, you know, if you're a perfectionist, just just believe the truth. Well, then me and my perfectionism, yeah. I get to this point where I'm, yeah. I'm like, I need to believe stronger and yeah. I need to believe this. Yeah. And, then, and then I'm like, am I missing something? Yeah. And so it's funny. It's like I've learned in my own perfectionism that, because I never thought I was a perfectionism, but or perfectionist, but I wouldn't do anything until I knew that I could do it perfectly. Mm. For instance, and I'm just going to out myself here, I bought my equipment to start MercyCast a couple of years before I even did it because I was like, I need to do it right. And, I need to, <laughs> and it it finally took a friend telling me, man, just get up there and suck at it. Yeah, Get up there yeah. and do a few episodes and just talk. And, and then you start noticing that every time you do it, yeah. It's almost like rather than viewing yourself qualitatively, you view yourself in a binary way. You're saying, I just want to do it. Yeah. And then each time I do it, I'll be like, I don't like how I did that. I want to try this. Yeah. I didn't like that. And then you start, all of a sudden, you look down 20 episodes and you're like, man, yeah. I'm loving where I'm at now. And yeah. each episode, I'm like thinking and tinkering and, and improving and enjoying yeah. even. Like I'm not, because I feel like perfection robs you of the present. Yes. It robs you of relationship. It robs you of community. It, perfectionism robs you of so many things because you're focused on you and you're unable to focus on others. Right. And yeah, I, I think with perfectionism comes rumination and shame and you're just thinking about the past and how mm-hmm. you failed and then that informs the present and you just find yourself stuck. Yeah. But I, I think there's this beauty when you... You can accept that. Yeah. And I'm in a place now where I look at, I'm like, yeah, I am a recovering perfectionist. I'm becoming an imperfectionist. I read this book by Stephen Guise, Becoming an Imperfectionist. And as he's talking and defining perfectionism, it hit me. I'm on a walk. I was trying to like get healthier and I'm on this 10 mile walk and it hit me so hard that I'm like, I felt this weight on me and I'm like, I need ice cream. So I'm walking around a park (laughs) eating this big Baskin-Robbins ice cream, looking the fool, but I felt free because it wasn't about looking a certain way. It was about 
okay, I've accepted this. And I say all that to say, even in our gospel preaching, we can still preach this idea of do better, be better. Yeah. Well, if you really believe the gospel, this will happen. Believe better. Really. Yeah. And it's just like, what if the other way was the best? What if the accepting the reality and confessing that same reality to Jesus who already knows it in the first place and saying, yeah, okay, so here's the deal. I am hard on myself. And not only that, when I'm hard on myself, I demand way more from others than I would ever demand from them. I can't just be. But you lived, died, and rose for me. So how can I be free to just look at myself in a binary way and just try things? How can I be free? Yeah to just believe and believe imperfectly mm-hmm. and live imperfectly. Mm-hmm. And what would, you, what would you say to people who are wrestling with both? They're wrestling with the perfectionism, but they're also wrestling with people who are like, well, the reason you're wrestling with that is you're not believing strongly enough. Right. And, and, and that's exactly where I am all the time with, Okay, I got to believe stronger. And then I say, no, duh, come on. You're not going to be perfect in your belief. So let it go and just say, hey, I can't even believe right. Jesus believed for me. But you know what? Honestly, sometimes I don't remember that at all. Jesus who? And he believed for me. He had faith for me. And I'm never going to get it right, Raleigh. I'll never get it right. And that's okay. Because this push that I feel to get it right has to do with me and my desire to approve of myself. And that thing, I wish it would die, but I doubt that it will. Someday I'll die, and then it will. In the theological treatise known as the movie Life, starring Eddie Murphy and Martin <laughs> Lawrence, where they were locked in a kind of like a prison camp back in the 30s. That's the setting. There's a character, and his name is Can't Get Right. And, you know, as I think about this, it's almost like in all of our cases, we're pretending, yeah. if anything, yeah. to have it together. And But we, when we view other people, through comparison, we think, no, they really do. They, they have got it, it together, right. But, yeah, no. but we're all can't get right. Like we're all <laughs> no. like, no matter how hard we yeah. try, we're going to hurt people. And I think, I think for me, realizing, just accepting the truth that I was a perfectionist, I had to accept it before I could do anything about yeah. it. Like if we look at this solely through spiritual lenses, you're never going to repent of anything unless you realize it's happening. Yeah. And I think when we realize, yeah, we are perfectionists, and we realize that that operating system can slow us down rather than propel us, I think just the accepting, owning, and then saying, okay, well, what do I want to do now? And then where are you? Then you just say, yeah, that's where I am. Will I ever, will I ever be free from this? I rather doubt it. I think I'm probably going to fight my whole life. And there'll be days that I actually do fight and fight against it. And there'll be other days when I just say I give up and I don't even care about it. I just want to be better. And You know what I'm learning? I'm learning that 
there'll be days where I'm like, I haven't grown at all and I haven't done this and that. But then something will trigger a thought or something. And all of a sudden I'll be like, well, I'm way farther along in this than I was. It's almost like I'm, I'm drifting into the right thing just by focusing on what I know to be true, like, yeah. and focusing on giving myself the space that I need to, whether it's heal, to grow, to just be going to a church where I can hear the same old song every week. My church is not trying to be innovative. You know, there will be a liturgy where people will say the same thing that's yeah. been said for thousands of years. Yeah. And it's just reminding me of this truth. And then, you know, every day I'm reminding myself of different truths. I'm reminding myself of who I am. I'm reminding myself of who God is. And it's almost like talking to myself and being spoken to outside of myself. Yeah. Like I've found that that's helped me. And in, even in those moments when I'm like, man, I feel like I've completely dropped the ball. I mean, like, yeah, but notice the things you used to do, like how hard you used to be on yourself a year ago. Right. You're not as hard anymore. Yeah. You're like, you still don't have it together, yeah. but, but you're kind of a little bit more easy peasy now. You're yeah. just like, oh, well, that happened. That yeah. sucks. Yeah. Okay, what's tomorrow? Yeah. But you're not like, well, you jerk. Yeah. How dare you do that? Yeah. You're the worst. Anything anybody's ever said about you that's bad, that's exactly who you are. That's your idea. I don't necessarily do that anymore. Now I'm like, well, I regret that. I made that mistake. I accept it. Okay. I don't have to like it. So what am I going to do now? Giving up this push for perfectionism and frees us to be transparent like you just were. Ooh, yeah. Right? Because yeah. I'm not trying to prove anything anymore. And it's whether we know it or not, we're consistently oscillating between yeah. acceptance and denial. Right. And like I've had... People, they'll be like, hey, man, sometimes I think there's like a pattern here. And I'm like, no, there's not. There's no pattern. And they're like, well, why are you jumping into defense and denial? Like, yeah. well, like what? Yeah. Why are you doing that? And then you take a step back and you're like, well, okay, is there? Yeah. And if these are people I trust. This is like if some random person on Twitter just says, well, Raleigh, yeah. I, yeah. no disrespect, Rando on Twitter. I may not give you the same platform in my life as I give someone who has bled with me, who yeah. has suffered with me, who has, who I've been there for and who's been there for me. And I know they're invested in my life and I in theirs. Like if they see something, I'll be like, okay, like, let's, let's sit with it. But I found that denial never gets me farther down the field, but the irony is accepting and like actually accepting the places that you fear the most mm -hmm. and being like, okay, yeah, I accept that that's true. Yeah. I accept that I do have this issue. Yeah. And I accept that I'm not struggling with it and getting better. Yeah. I'm actually, I actually dive headfirst into this issue and it's a problem, but I accept it. Yeah. And so now what do I want to do about it yeah. now that I see it? Yeah. I think you're not going to change or grow or heal or anything. And I do believe we can change. I know that yeah. there are people who don't believe that. I believe that God is consistently mm -hmm. working in us. Yes. But sometimes that change isn't as dramatic as some people say, or you might not see it until you have another situation and you're like, whoa, I totally responded to that differently than I ever have. Right. Right. So and, more at peace. Yeah. Right. 
at peace then back to yourself, at peace with yourself, at peace with the fact that you struggle with perfectionism, at peace with the fact that the Holy Spirit who indwells you is doing the work to transform you. And we want that when I'm in my right mind. I want that. But then knowing that the change that needs to happen is not something I'm going to be able to do the way I want to do it. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit transforms us, right? Helps us believe and helps us to see truth, to see who we are, and to be at peace with that. And I think when we're at peace with it, we're able to live in community differently. We're able to live with ourselves differently. Mm-hmm. We're able to love God and love our neighbors, mm-hmm. albeit imperfectly, we're able to actually kind of step out of ourselves. And we're even, I would say, because of God's grace, we're even able to love the person, our neighbor that's in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And and that that love doesn't necessarily, when I say that, that I don't necessarily mean like a feeling a certain way, but you may be able to look at yourself and be like, okay, like I'm going to be softer to myself today. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to go take a walk today. I'm going to eat ice cream. I'm going to eat ice cream, even though I am walking, you know, I, I may have told this story on another episode, but it's a story that really showed me that I was growing in my own perfectionism and becoming an imperfectionist. I was on a pilgrimage called the Camino de Santiago, and I yeah. was in this old Roman walled city of Lugo. Mm-hmm. And you you start, it's you're a pack of strays, you know, you start walking with these people from all over the world, and I'm hanging out with my friend who's a shaman. I'm hanging out with all these different people, and it it's wild yeah. for an old Southern Baptist kid yeah. who is like hanging out. And so here I am, we're walking around, I'm meeting people, I'm having these cool conversations, everyone's seeking something. And so Everyone's able to like kind of have these honest conversations, but you know, sometimes the stuff follows you. And, but in this moment, like I didn't know I, I was about to meet some people, but then I see these people and I'd walked by this restaurant slash bar called the American. Well, I was like the only American in Lugo that day. And I was like, I've come home. <sighs> and so everyone I'm here, yeah. I am the American. And so I'm like, Hey guys, let's go and hang out there. So we go and they, you know, you just sit outside in Spain. You don't sit inside. No one sits yeah. inside. It's a whole thing. And so we go out to the back. We sit out on the little patio, veranda, what have you. And we're sitting down and there are these beautiful trees and there's all these people. And I'm not trying to draw attention to the fact that I'm the only American, but I kind of am just by being American because I do things a little differently. And then I sit down and what really drew attention was I sat down in my little plastic chair It was over a grate that was around the roots of the tree that was on this veranda patio thing. And I sit down and my back legs just fall right through. And I'm like, well, that's awkward. And everyone stops and looks. I'm like, okay. So I move my seat up. I sit back down, fall right through again. And I'm like, oh. And then people are like, (gasps) I pick it back up. I move it up more. (laughs) I fall a third time. (laughs) And then I look at my friend. And she goes, well, that was embarrassing. 
And I'm like, and as all these people I was with and everyone's looking at me, this is a perfectionist nightmare. Yeah. To be seen as doing something terrible or bad or just like you don't look like you have it together. Mm. And I looked at her and I said, I'm glad that happened. And she's like, yeah, it took you three times, dude. And I'm like, it sure did. Yeah. But I'm glad it happened. And she's like, why? And I'm like, because, you know, I'm free to mess up. Yeah. I'm free to not have it together. And I've been this perfectionist, but you know, now I'm becoming an imperfectionist. And I'll tell you, it doesn't matter. And then we moved on and it didn't feel like my skin was being peeled off my bones. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I had to entertain or prove myself, even to myself. I was able just to be and be present. And I had a wonderful evening hanging out with my new friends. And then all the people who gasped and looked at me, they were focused on something else. And I think when you're a perfectionist, you think everyone's thinking of you all the time. And you right. know what? People have their own issues and they're thinking about themselves. Right. And so it's okay. And I think that like what you've been talking about, this idea that even when we're dealing with anxiety, perfectionism, fear, and worry, it's very easy to focus on ourselves. But as believers in Jesus Christ, we're able to say, but you know what? Jesus lived a life mm-hmm. perfect, free from sin. And he lived it for us, but he also died the perfect death for us mm-hmm. as well. And he is the only perfect person. He's the only person who could truly be a perfectionist and not have an issue with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for us, we are living in the because therefore. Mm-hmm. And so what would you say? What What are a couple of pieces of encouragement or advice that you would give our listeners who are wrestling with their own perfectionism? How would you help us navigate that? I think one of the things that's most helpful to remember is that we're all exactly the same. We are, mm. We're all the same. More or less, we want to approve ourselves. We want other people to approve of us. And so, for the person who's really struggling, it's just to get to the place where you say, I'm going to let myself breathe, and it's okay. I can breathe and not be in a situation where I feel like I have to have it all together all the time. I'm going to rest in my humanity. I'm just I'm I'm just a person like everybody else. That's all I am. And you know that that's going on when like you were just talking about when you're free to be first of all transparent and tell a story like that about yourself. But then secondly, you're free to laugh at yourself. So it's a I don't know who who told you Elise that you needed to be perfect on your own, but you're not, and you're not going to be. So just give it a rest and throw yourself on the mercy of Christ in the days that you remember to do so. And no, you're not going to do that well either. And that's okay. It's almost the inverse of do better, be better. It's just understand that you're, you're going to probably do worse than you thought you, you could. Right. But you can be. You don't even have to be better. Just just, just be there. Be. Just be present. Yeah. Be. It's like I found that 
when I'm living into the imperfectionism, I laugh at myself more. Yeah. I laugh with other people. Yeah. I'm more present. Yeah. But when I'm trying to have it all together, do the most perfect whatever, yeah. I, I end up, I'm harder on myself. I end up in whatever I'm trying to do is not as good as when I'm just there having a good time. Right. I'm feeling loose. We're having yeah. a, you know, we're having a good time. Nobody wants There's, to be around somebody who's perfect. No, I don't. Or who is trying to be perfect. No. You know, there's not enough boat shoes in the world to make me want to live that way. <laughs> I love that. It's so funny. <laughs> boat shoes. Wow. It's, I mean, and I went to seminary in the early 2000s, so I, I think people in certain areas of the United States wore boat shoes, but not in Florida, which is ironic because we had boats. <laughs> I don't know. I don't make the rules here. <laughs> Well, Elise, thank you. Thank this has you. been this has been illuminating. I've really enjoyed I always enjoy talking to you, but this has been helpful because I know many of us we want to not feel what we're feeling. Yeah. But when you realize that you're amongst friends, yeah. Then you can also realize it's gonna be okay. Yeah. I'm not just saying that. You're okay. You are loved. Hold on. Yeah. You're you're healing. Yeah. Yeah. You're healing. <laughs> And you know what? In all the days in which you're not and you forget what you're doing and Jesus has got it and it'll be okay. And he is enough. He is enough. Even when you don't feel like you are. Exactly. If you are interested in more conversations like this one, buy my book, Vulnerable Rethinking Human Trafficking. If you want bonus episodes as well as a plethora of other resources, become a paid member at lmpg.org for $10 a month. You will get access to our bonus podcast, More Mercy, where we dive deeper. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and leave MercyCast a five-star review. We want to hear from you, so you can email us at info at mercycast.com. Till next time, have mercy on yourselves and each other.